Hello and welcome to the Parenting with Play podcast. This week we're going to be talking about rude words and name calling. When your child does that to you or another child, it can be so infuriating, can't it? Because it's very hard to stop those words actually coming out of your child's mouth. So this week we're going to look at how play can help stop those things from happening because play is the most effective way on stopping your child from doing name calling and saying rude words. I'm Helena Mooney and if you're wanting practical, respectful and effective strategies to help transform your everyday parenting challenges with connection and fun, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Now, this is something I'm sure you have experienced at some point. some point, your beautiful little child is going to say the most horrible thing, is going to call another child a mean name or they're going to say something really rude to you. And it can be from the sort of relatively benign poo bum words to full on swear words. So what I want to talk about today is going to apply to your child, whether they're three or whether they're nine, the same principles apply. And that is play. Now, I know that this can seem really counterintuitive because it's not nice being called a rude word, is it? It's not nice when your child calls another child something like a loser or whatever it is that your child at that age is wanting to say. And it's very hard for us as parents to stop our children from doing it, isn't it? Because unlike when they're hitting or they're lashing out or they're going to throw something where we can actually step in physically and stop them by literally holding their hand, when they're speaking, we can't actually stop words coming out of their mouth unless you're going to put your hand over your child's mouth, which, you know, I've been known to do at times, but it's not really a long-term solution, is it? So let's look at why your child might be saying those certain things and then what doesn't work. And then I'm going to share a number of games that are going to work. So the first thing really is to look at, well, why is your child using that word? Words are really powerful. There's that saying, isn't there? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that's not true. We know that. We know that there's such power in words that words can hurt. Words can cause upset. So children know this from a very long, from a very young age. They can sense the power of certain words. And as adults, we find words incredibly satisfying to say in those challenging moments. You know, my children have heard me use those words, but it's not something that is ultimately helpful for especially our children. So why might your child be saying those words in the first place? Now, obviously, there is um, mirroring. It can come from us, can't it? My little four-year-old, well, when he's now four, five, when he was four, he still sometimes goes around going, oh my God. <laughs> I don't know why he does it with an American accent, but he hears me say a lot of times, oh my God. You know, that's really uh, infuriating for me when I say it. And he says it with the exact same intonation in exactly the right context. And it's like, oh, oh my God, he's copying me. And um, fortunately, it is just, oh my God, there's nothing more serious than that. But, you know, children of young age, of course, they're saying the F word and whatever it is. So obviously, we need to look at our own language and how we're using it and what we're saying around our children. So there's number one. And if your child is copying you, you are so not alone. Doesn't mean you're a bad parent. It just means perhaps we just need to be a bit more conscious about what we're saying in front of our children. 
Another big reason why our children might be saying it is that a child might have said it to your child. Another child might have said it to them in a derogatory, angry, put down kind of way. And when that happens to your child, they can feel the power that's coming towards them through that word. And they will have a number of feelings around it. They might feel scared or confused, generally powerless. And this is where so much of our children's challenging behaviour comes from, is when they feel powerless. So they will then do anything possible to start feeling powerful again. And if a child has called another child a loser, then there it's like a hot potato. We then pass it on to the sort of the next person because we don't want to carry that. It's a horrible feeling, isn't it? When somebody has called you a loser, it gives them a position of power and it belittles you. So our children feel that. So they want to then feel powerful again. So then they start calling somebody else a loser. And I'm using the term loser because that's come up in our house fairly recently. So they get a sense of how powerful words can be. And of course, they then use them just in the same way that they might hit another child or throw something across the room when they're angry. They're going to use words to express themselves and to offload some of the frustration or tension or stress that they're carrying from previous experiences. They're also using it when they get angry, just like my child is going, oh my God, in the right context. Context. When your children get angry, then they're going to they're gonna lash out in whatever way it is. It could be physical, often it can be verbal as well. So we just need to understand how, that there's a really good reason why our children are saying these words. And to give them the compassion and the empathy as much as possible to have that understanding about why they're doing it and then to realise what they actually need. So I'm going to give you an example. When I first experienced all of this was when my daughter was about four and she started to call me a poo-poo bum-bum head, which now is so benign. Now she's 11. I'm like, yeah, that's all right. But at the time, first child, I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. And particularly I was worried about, my mum was about to come out from England for a visit and, you know, my daughter calling her granny a poo-poo bum-bum head was just not on the cards. It's just not something I really wanted to have to navigate. So I was looking for ways. That gave me the particular impetus to look for ways of how I can help my daughter to stop calling me or saying poo-poo bum-bum head. So just like probably what you may have done, I did a number of it. I did a number of different things. The first thing I did was to ignore it. I just thought, you know, there's that principle that you ignore the inverted, you know, inverted commas, bad behavior and you reward or you give attention to the good behavior. So I thought, well, let's just ignore this. And then she'll sort of realize magically that this is something that I don't like. And then she'll magically stop doing it. So uh, that didn't work. And then I went through the explaining, darling, that's not a kind thing to say. It's not appropriate. It's not suitable. I really don't want you to say this. So I was appealing to her rational part of the brain. This is a four-year-old. I'm rationally trying to say, please, darling, don't say poo-poo or bum-bum when we're out in public. It's not very kind, not very appropriate. Let's not do it. Well, that didn't work either. Because if we go back to the reasons why our children might be saying those words, Often it's from feeling powerless. Often it's an accumulation of stress. Maybe it's a sign that they're feeling disconnected from me. And if you remember thinking about what happens to our children's brain, all of our brains, 
when we feel stressed, when we feel that sense of disconnection, when we have an accumulation of irritation or upset, the logical part of our brains don't work as well. So applying reason or appealing to our child's rational, reasonable part of the brain just isn't going to work in those moments when they are displaying those challenging behavior. So, you know, on one level, sometimes when they're not stressed, sure, they're not going to go around saying poo-poo bum-bum head. But in those times when they are, appealing to their rational part of the brain is just, it's just not going to work. So anyway, I tried to appeal to the rational part of the brain, (laughs) didn't work. Then I was getting getting more and more frustrated here. And I then started to tell her off. I thought maybe she doesn't fully understand just how inappropriate it is to say poo-poo bum-bum head to me. I am her mother. She needs to respect me. She can't use this language towards me. How dare she? You know, it brought up a lot of feelings within me. So I thought, right, she needs to very clearly understand that this is not acceptable behaviour. So I'm going to tell her off when she does it. So I started telling her off. Do not use those words with me. You know, how dare you? And whatever. I can't even remember what I said now. But, you know, it wasn't kind and compassionate or empathic. I was getting really annoyed, really frustrated. And I was starting to become harsh towards her. Well, that didn't work. Because when we think about it with the brain, they get stressed. That's when there's all this challenging behavior starts to manifest. So me getting annoyed just means that she gets more stressed. The disconnection increases. So she's much more likely to, to do it even more. Now, some children might actually stop saying those words in those moments when the, when the parent gets really cross and, and angry at them and they realize, OK, I'm not going to say that word. But then what often happens is they might say another word. Or then they might start hitting or lashing out. What happens is that the stress compounds within them. And even if they stop doing that one particular action, their behavior, their emotions, their upset emotions is going to lead to leaking out in other forms of behavior. So you might think, well, I've stopped them from doing that thing. Isn't that brilliant? That shows that works. But, oh, hang on, they're starting to hit the system or or whatever it is that they're doing. So... By getting to the actual heart of why your child is doing it, helping them with the emotions around it, you're then going to really address the key issues behind it and then stop the behavior. So, okay, so I was getting telling her off. Didn't work. Now, you might also want to ban certain words. I know families who do this because they're caught, you know, the children are shouting around going loser or, you know, I don't know, whatever word it is, this is a family podcast can't swear too much but you know you know there'll be certain words or stupid that's another big one that's come up recently you know you're stupid and they're shouting that at each other so it might get to the point that a family might go okay we're just not going to use these words in our family just not having it you cannot say that word and so then the word becomes banned any um uh, digression from that ban you know anytime the child actually says the word stupid comes down harsh and tells them off So again, you can see how that actually doesn't get to the heart of the problem. It doesn't get to the reason why the child is saying stupid in the first place. And it doesn't shift the emotions that's driving it. It just doesn't help, really. And actually what happens is that because then that word is given even greater credence, greater excitement about that word, then it becomes a more exciting word to say. And even if they're not overtly shouting stupid on the top of their head, top of their voice, they might then start to say it more subtly and in a more derogatory way. And so it's still 
It's still there. It's still this word that's hanging around. That's a banned word that became comes even more exciting. And chances are they're going to be saying it even more. So you can see how all those different things are actually not going to help. They're not going to get to the heart of it. What does get to the heart of it and what transformed for my four, I think she was four at the time, four-year-old when she was doing it, was play. And even though I knew and I was implementing aware parenting and parenting by connection approaches then, I was really focusing on listening to upset feeling. I didn't recognize just how powerful play was. And so this really highlighted to me, this is amazing. And it flips things on your head, how you view parenting, how you view us to be, you know, we are... are are ways that we feel we should be as parents and that our children should respect us and should do what we say and should use respectful language and should, 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 should. Play cuts through all of that, bypasses so much of it, and it works. So let's go through some exa- examples of how you can use play to to help your child from stop stopping saying rude words or name calling. So in the example of my daughter calling me a poo-poo bum-bum head, um, I just went and hammed it up. I went, no, I'm not just a poo-poo bum-bum head. I'm a poo-poo poo-poo bum-bum head. And apologies for the words. Um, I really hammed it up. And she she was quite taken aback, going, what? <laughs> Mum's calling saying that she's even more a poo-poo head? It was hilarious. And the point of this and the point of all the games that I'm going to suggest is that it's a way to connect you two back together again. When our children feel more connected with us, they can offload the stress around it that's driving that behavior. They can feel your warm love and attention. And by being playful, you can laugh off the stress. And then that solves the heart of the problem. That really does get to the heart of the issue. And in the example of the poo-poo bum-bum head, my mum came out about a week later. She Emily very, very rarely ever said it again and on the and certainly didn't say it to my mum. And on the occasions when she would start to say it, I could go, okay, that's a signal. Something's going on for her. We need to reconnect. Now, whether we reconnect through playing the poo-poo bum-bum head game or whether we just go and do another sort of game, it was a real clear signal to me that she needed me. And she needed to feel reconnected to me. And then that's what we did. And then it shifted it. So then we didn't have any more examples of that coming up. It also meant that on those times when it was starting to come up again, I could see, A, there's a signal, but also she was much more willing to be able to cooperate with me when I said, uh, no, let's not say this here, but we're going to say it when we get back home. Sort of conspiratorial, let's go and do that in secret when we get back home, but don't say it now. And because we had connected through it and we were still connecting through it, she was much more able and willing to stop in those inappropriate moments because she knew that we'd had that connection already and that we had the opportunity to connect more later on. So you can see how using play, bringing play to those examples, to those moments helps connect, gets to the heart of the issue. And then the problem really does sort of magically go away. Now, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, if your child is older, if they're using more full-on swear words, the same principle applies. And I've got this brilliant example of um, a mum who I was working with and her, I think he was six or seven-year-old boy, was using full-on swear words. 
like all the swear words that you really wouldn't want to come out of a six or seven year old boy's mouth, but it was. And so sometimes denying the reality of it isn't going to help at all. So my suggestion to her was again, to just dive in and embrace and be silly and connect through play. So what she did was she set the timer for 10 minutes and her, her husband and her son for 10 minutes just swore at each other. Every single word that this little boy knew was just coming out and they were just throwing it as insults at each other. They had the best time. It was contained. So, you know, they knew that there was a really intense, fun experience and that the child could understand that this was the time to use the swear words. Because sometimes when we use play, I think we can get worried going, well, if I'm being playful about this behaviour that I don't like, does that mean that I'm condoning the behaviour, that I'm actively encouraging it, that I'm confusing my child, that they're not going to understand that they can say the F word in these 10 minutes, but they can't say it anywhere else? Children know this. They're, they're not silly. They're not stupid. And particularly in the example of this, he knew that here was 10 minutes. He had such a fun time with both of his parents trading these insults that the sort of this dropping the swear words throughout the week or casually throughout the day went away because he'd had that chance. Again, opportunity to connect with both of his parents through the challenging behaviour, opportunity to laugh. I mean, they laughed their heads off. Laughter releases stress. When you release attention, you can then, your child's brain starts to think, well, again, they're then less likely to act out in those challenging ways because there's no need to. Because you've addressed the emotions behind the behaviour, they then just go back to being their lovely, cooperative, beautiful selves. There's no need for them to swear. So, or call rude words or whatever it is. So you really are getting to the heart of the behaviour. So they, they, as I said, they did it for 10 minutes, swore blind at each other. 10 minutes was up. That was it. Game over. The little boy didn't swear much. I don't think he swore at all during the week. And then later on that, the following weekend, he said, can we play that game again, mum? Loved it. And again, it just gave them that opportunity, gave them that re- that chance for reconnection. And then he didn't feel, he didn't have the need to swear throughout the week. So you can see how whatever age, whatever words, you can still use it. Now, another example is my four-year-old son was recently calling his little three-year-old friend a loser. So that can be really triggering for us. And it's important that we notice our own triggers. Triggers. Now, I don't think I've been called a loser when I was little, but it might be stupid or there might be a word that your child uses that is triggering for you. And then that can bring up your own feelings of how you felt when it was genuinely used against you as a horrible insult. So just start to notice some words will trigger you, some words won't. Notice what's your emotions around it. And your four-year-old doesn't know that you experienced, you know, somebody horrible calling you a loser when you were younger. So it's going to be really triggering for you. They just know they've heard this word. They're trying to figure it out. They've got some perhaps big feelings of powerlessness themselves. And the way that you can help them is by not making this word scary for them, not banning it, not making it this sort of uh, yeah, big scary word that they have to avoid or that, oh my God, that's too scary. You can't say that. So note, so take responsibility for your own feelings. And if you need to take it that somewhere else and go, I hate it when my son calls me a loser. I hate it. And have that space to explore why you might hate it. Because Jamie at 
primary school called you a loser incessantly and nobody was there to support you and then you took that on and you felt you were a loser and in that particular context and it was horrible but that's your stuff and that's important that you work on it but just take that away from say your four or your six-year-old child who doesn't have that context um, and or understanding of how or how impactful that word was for you so Look at what's going on for you and try and separate that from what your child is actually doing in the moment. So my son, as I said, was calling his little pal loser. I really didn't like that. And Larry Cohen, the author of Playful Parenting, which is an excellent book, I highly recommend it. He's got this game is whatever you do, don't call me a you know, blamange or something ridiculous that's completely benign. So what I did in that instance there with George and his little pal was say, okay, Whatever you do, don't call me a strawberry. So it took the focus away from the word loser. We started trading insults as bananas and melons and kiwi fruit. I mean, ridiculous. And whenever they sort of shouted that I was a banana, I didn't react. But when they called me a strawberry, oh, the fake tears was humongous. And they adored it. They thought it was the funniest thing ever to make an adult cry. I mean, they knew it was fake cry. But it gave them that sense of powerfulness, which often uh, children in particular are lacking. So they would gang up against me um, and which meant that they could then work together. So rather than, you know, George calling him a loser and then those two getting upset between each other, they could then call me a strawberry, work together. We would then trade fruit insults. Nobody's really getting hurt here. It's funny. We're connecting. They're offloading any stress around it. So you can see how you can weave play in a different types of ways, depending on what's going on for your child, the age of your child, the words they're using. I just really want to offer, don't be afraid of those particular words. And just like anything, the best way to transform the problem is through the challenging behavior. When you start to avoid the behavior or do anything you can to not upset them about that particular word or whatever it is that they're doing, that's going to give more power to that particular behavior or that particular word and it doesn't address the reasons why they're doing it in the first place so play is a really powerful way of moving through the challenging behavior with connection having laughter offloading the stress reconnecting and it really does magically transform the behavior and you will notice that your child won't feel the need to say it like my child, George, hardly ever calls him a loser. And if he does, again, that's a signal. He needs me. He needs me to step in, reconnect playfully, and then he can go on his merry way playing with his friend again. All right. I hope that helps. It's really just about viewing that play is so helpful not to take everything so seriously, which is so easy to do, especially when we're getting really stressed. And the beauty of all of this is that play is brilliant for us too. So if you have got something that you get really upset about by using a bit of play with your children can help you loosen up your feelings around that particular word and then to get the support you know if you need to have a off if you need to have a chat with a friend about i really hate that word and then you might need to work through what happened to you then but using play with your child helps you to offload the stress too and when we've all offloaded the stress, we all feel happier, we all feel more lighter and able to connect and life is so, so much easier. All right. I hope that helps. And um, I look forward to chatting with you again next week. 
hope you enjoyed this week's episode and you can see how you can implement what we talked about today with your children and family. Be sure to hit subscribe in your podcast app to know when each episode is released and I would love it if you could leave a review and share with your friends. And if you want to shout less and connect more, head over to parentingwithplay.com.au to download my quick guide of five simple games which you can start playing straight away. You really can transform your everyday parenting challenges with connection and fun. So have a great week and enjoy playing.